the 182nd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win 54 to 53. North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy. Worthy five. The Star Heels are going to win the national championship. Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb Brooks straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, here to get you ready for Carolina and Michigan in the inaugural Jumpman Invitational right here in Carolina's backyard, which of course is Charlotte, North Carolina. So we're going to break down the Wolverines, tell you all you need to know about the opponent, get you up to date on key stats around Carolina, and then we'll give our keys to the game, pick the game, and so much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And we go back to former head coach of Carolina basketball, now retired superfan Roy Williams. Uh, And Roy was one time quoted saying as such, overconfidence is that cocky feeling you get right before you realize you know better. And I really think, you know, when I was going through and trying to find what thought I wanted to use to to, to apply to this episode, I think this is a really, maybe a, a really, I guess, what's the word, a timely one regarding Carolina uh, because they're coming off their biggest win of the season against Ohio State in the Garden and back up or and, and come from behind fashion in a win that we are hoping and thinking is going to jumpstart this team and this season. Um, but last year, Carolina was a team that really before March struggled with prosperity. They struggled with playing well and then winning the next game, a sign of overconfidence if you will. Do you worry about this team not a, not coming into this game with the right mindset, coming off the big win over Ohio State the weekend before, and also knowing that even though these are college kids, this is the week of Christmas, and after this game, they do get to go home for a short little bit of time before they, they need to be back in Chapel Hill uh, to, to get back to their basketball duties. Do you worry at all about Carolina having the wrong mindset during this game against Michigan? I mean, not really, because I think y- you look at this group that you have and you've got a veteran group here. So I, I believe that they had to deal with this last year. At times, they, they could have gotten too full of themselves after they went and beat Duke 
in Cameron. They could have gotten too full of themselves during some of the wins that they had in the NCAA tournament, and they didn't. So I think early in the season, it it was a wake-up call for Carolina. That four-game losing streak, as it should be, as any losing streak should be, I think really opened the eyes of these guys and made them realize that, look, teams teams are not taking you lightly. Not like last year. Like, you thought a year ago that, you know, uh, there were teams, I mean, Duke didn't take it lightly. But I think a lot of people, even when you got to the NCAA tournament, a lot of people thought, well, Carolina's an eight seed, though. Like, yeah, they're Carolina, but they're an eight seed. They have flaws. Those are eventually going to pop back up. And they didn't get that treatment early on this season. I think they struggled to deal with that. I mentioned that I think they, they, they were afraid to lose some of those games early in the season. But now I think they've gotten to a point where they just realize, look, we've lost those games. Those games are now behind us. And now, you know, look, we've, we've strung together three really good games in a row. We're coming off of, I mean, look, it's it's not, was that the best game that Carolina's played all season? No. But considering the circumstances, it's hard not to feel happier about any other game so far this year than that mm-hmm. one. So I think this is, to me, I feel like this team is using this as a building block, and they only want to go further. Because, look, the ACC isn't great. Ohio State's not the best team that you're going to face this season. So you have to be prepared to carry over what you did against Ohio State and start to turn yourself back into that national title contender that we all thought you could be. And I think with the leadership that this group has, really just go back to that quote that Armando Baycott had at the end in the postgame after the win the other day in the Garden. I think that is a mindset that he carries, and I feel like a lot of the other guys, especially the veterans in that room, carry as well, and I think that's going to pay off moving forward. Well, I mean, I feel like I think this is going to be a really good game to really determine, did Carolina draw that line in the sand? Something that Roy Williams always talked about was, like, at some point you're going to draw a line in the sand, you're going to figure out who's tough enough to cross it, and you know, if and you hope the person that's dumb enough to, or, or that's tough enough to cross it, is also dumb enough to find out the hard way. And, and I think that if Carolina attacks this game the right way, I'm not gonna say they should blow out Michigan. Michigan's a really good basketball team, but Carolina should beat Michigan. And I think that if Carolina wins this game, and they get to nine and four, how how really different is that gonna think? Is it gonna be from where we thought Carolina was gonna be at this time? Start at the start of the season, maybe a win or maybe two wins less at the absolute most because we weren't. You know, we looked at that schedule and we weren't dumb enough to say Carolina's going undefeated in the non-conference. Carolina's going to start some 13, 15, 18 and 0. That that just wasn't in the cards. Carolina's non-conference schedule was too daunting. Um, I mean, we we look specifically at back-to-back road games at Indiana and at Virginia Tech and said if Carolina loses those games, we're not going to be all that surprised. And so if a Carolina comes in and they win this game, the record gets to 9-4. and four. 
so a lot more healthier. You'll have back-to-back quad one wins. So your resume, which then you're still in the process of starting to build, looks a lot better because, I mean, your, your quad one losses are to good teams like Iowa State, Alabama, Indiana's really good. And so was Virginia Tech. Like, now you're 2-4 yep. and four in that category. That looks a lot better. And so, really, I think the whole narrative of the first two months of the year changes for Carolina with a win. Um, th- does it take away the disappointment of experiencing a four-game losing streak and going from number one in the country to unranked in two weeks? Absolutely not. But it's also just a great reminder that the beautiful thing about college basketball is a lot like in, in, in Major League Baseball and some other sports. You got a lot of time to really determine who you are. And so for those people that wrote this team off after four games, you know, if Carolina wins this game and, and the positive feelings, you know, are, 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 are returning, then it would just be a nice reminder to all those guys who did abandon ship when the going got tough. Let's talk about the opponent, the Michigan Wolverines, um, a team that enters with a 7-3 and three record, although two of their losses have come to the two ranked teams they have played so far. Carolina does enter this game still unranked, but their two losses, two ranked opponents, were at home to number 3 Virginia. They lost by a bucket. And then on, on a neutral court in London, Against number 19, Kentucky, they lost 73-69. So it's not like they went, you know, and, and and got blown out when they've played some top-tier competition. They've held their own for the better part because, you know, Jawan Howard has built what is a solid program. Their, their, wound, their, their, their lone loss that doesn't make a whole lot of sense is they did get blown out by Arizona State in a, I believe it was, it, the the Legends Classic in Barclays, uh, but those type of things happen in those type of events. We've we've seen Carolina kind of get it taken to in those type of events because they're just such an anomaly. You're in a you're in a neutral court with not a lot of fans, um, and, and and so crazy things too tend to happen in those matchups. Um, they they do have three players that average double figure scoring. Led by the big man Hunter Dickinson, 19.1 points, 8.4 boards. He's shooting 58% from the field and then 42% from behind the three-point line. You then have Jet Howard. He's the son of their head coach, Jawan Howard. 15.5 points, 2.5 boards, 2.5 assists. He's shooting 49% from the field and 40% from three. Then you got Kobe uh, Bufkin who's averaging 11.4 points, 3.7 rebounds, 2.8 assists. They shoot 36% uh, 36% from behind the three-point line, and they grab 27.9 defensive rebounds, which is 47th most in the country. Let's let's move it over here to the Tar Heels side of things. They enter with an 8-4 and four record. Um, they are winners of three in a row after following – that four-game losing streak, of course, coming off that emotional come-from-behind win uh, over Ohio State this past weekend in the Garden. And Carolina has four players that average double-figure scoring, led by Caleb Loves, 18.3 points, 4.2 boards, 3.7 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 29% from three. Armando Baycott, 17.5 points, 11.6 boards. He's shooting 55% from the field. You got R.J. Davis, 15.7 points, 5.4 rebounds, 
3.1 assists, shooting just 42% from the field, 28% from three. And then you've got Pete Nance, 12.6 uh, points, 6.7 rebounds. He's shooting 51% from the field, 34% from behind the three-point line. Armando Baycott was named the ACC Player of the Week uh, for the fourth time in his Tar Heel career. And I, I think right now, you know, he is really molding into the leader that Carolina needs him to be. We put so much emphasis on the backcourt because come March, usually the teams that have the best backcourt, those are the teams that play deep into the tournament and win national championships. <coughs> but, you know, we, we stated all during the, 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 the preseason and, and even during the season Carolina's at their best when they're playing inside out. And the biggest adjustment that they've made on offense has been they've just put Armando Bay caught at the front of the rim and dared teams to try to guard him. And I think that's something that, you know, instead of having him fight for position, him just getting to the rim has opened a lot of things up for, for him. He's either getting a bucket, he's either getting fouled, or he's kicking the ball back out to uh, you know a, a spot-up shooter or a guy who's in a position to drive his defender and get to the rim. And it, it's, it's really just elevated everybody's game on the offensive end of the court. The thing I think I'm most interested in entering this game is how, how soon do we see Carolina's full-court press? Because I, I said it at the end of and, – and when we recapped Ohio State – that's got to be a part of who Carolina is this season. It's not a fabric of Carolina basketball, but one thing that we've really we, we've been really uh, uh, proud of Hubert is that he's had this willingness to kind of to be more adaptive to his talent. He's got the talent and the skill to press for full court for the majority of the game. There was a reluctance to do that against Ohio State. I don't want to see Carolina wait till they're down 10 points with 10 minutes to go to throw that out there. I want to see that early and often because I feel like if Carolina can can, can continue to, to do that and do, do it very well, that'll just add to their defensive identity, which I think in this three-game winning streak is trending back in the right direction. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. I think you just want, you want to show teams something different earlier on in the game. That that was our biggest thing because there's going to be a stretch in this game where Carolina is going to struggle. We've seen it in every game that Carolina has played. Even I mean, even in the game against the Citadel. Remember that was a one point game at one point. So. You let's be a little more aggressive on that end of the floor defensively with some of the looks that we're throwing out because, yeah, you're right. Ultimately, I think that is what jump starts this team is how well they play on the defensive end of the floor. It did against Georgia Tech. That's what led to the success on the offensive end of the floor was just how good and active the team was defensively. And I think you saw it, you know, to a certain extent again, the other the other day in Madison Square Garden, I think you saw a team that was, you know, was was playing through their defense, and that's what sort of got them got them going, got them back into the game. And from that point on, you know, Carolina was trading blows. But that's the thing that you want to see is 
how aggressive is this this coaching staff? Are they going to throw those things out earlier? Or are they going to continue to wait? I said it when we talked about it the other night. Is that something that they look at as we we will you know something they go to late in games? because they know it's effective during that time, they know that it's a tool that can get them back into the game and they don't want to show it too much? Or is it something that they're willing to go to a little bit earlier, no matter the you know, no matter the, the circumstance? I think we're going to see, because Huber Davis told us that he was going to go to it more often after the Virginia Tech game, and we haven't really seen it all that often except in late-game situations. So... That'll certainly be something to monitor against a Michigan team that, you know, look, has has, has had, you know, a, a solid season to this point, but I don't think they've been as dominant as some of the Michigan teams that Carolina has played in the past. And, I mean, it, it's, it's worth throwing different looks at them, though, because they are still a solid offensive team. And, and, and I think that's, that's just the point that Carolina has to come to. Yeah, and, you know uh... – <laughs> You and I have had a couple of conversations, and every time we talk about Michigan, eh, they're not that good, whatever. Do you know what Michigan is? Michigan's the Big Ten Carolina, where they are a team that gradually gets better as the season moves along. Well, except for last year. Um, and they're they're just not and, – and they're a team that this, – and this just isn't under Jawan Howard. <clears throat> this was under John Beeline as well, where – they generally played their best basketball in March. And it's why whenever you were filling out your bracket and they may have had a four seed or a five seed or even a six seed beside their name, matchups would have you putting them in the Sweet 16. So, no, this team isn't a finished product. But they're they're also not supposed to be because Jawan Howard – is even though he's an NBA coach, when he got the job, he he you know he had the right mindset of, you know we're playing for the long haul, we're playing for the Big Ten tournament, we're playing for the NCAA tournament, and they're going to be prepared to come in and 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 give Carolina a challenge on Wednesday night. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll get you the latest ad from DraftKings. Then when we come back, more thoughts, or or we'll give our keys to the game and pick the game on this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Back after this message from DraftKings. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many games coming up. Like if you're a local fan of the Charlotte Hornets, the 76ers are in town. The Minnesota Timberwolves are in town. Or if you're a Knicks fan like me, there's a lot of games coming up as we get ready or as we continue to make our way through the NBA season where you can make plenty bets on the association. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money lines on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out, guys. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings. Go, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. 
the more the more you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win. It's whether you're betting on just a straight up win, or how many you know threes Steph Curry is going to have, or how many rebound uh, rebounds Joel Embiid is going to have. You can place all those bets and parlays at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Place a five dollar pregame money line bet on any on on any NBA team to win their game and get a one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking great evangelizer good offers we've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for over there at the Heel Tough blog podcast. The first key I have to the game is Carolina's got to win the painted area, and that's not going to be a challenge. You know, we, we get really caught up when talking about the best bigs in the country, Armando Baycott, Oscar Schwebley. You've got, you know, Drew Timmy. At, at Gonzaga, Yukon's uh, big man is really, really good. We've kind of forgotten that Hunter Dickinson is just a grown man, and he has been a grown man since he basically got to Michigan, what feels like a decade ago, and he's going to be a different matchup for, for Armando Baycott. I think you will see Huber Davis go a lot smaller just from a matchup standpoint uh, in this game than you than you probably are, 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 are used to seeing in December, um, but this is a guy who, as I mentioned, averaging basically 18 or 19 and 9 while shooting 58% from the field and 42% from three. Their offense runs through him. They're going to run inside out. But on the flip side, it's not just him that you got to worry about. Their guards, whether it's Jet Howard or Kobe Bufkin, this is a this is an offense that is predicated a kind of a lot like Carolina's, mm-hmm. where they want to drive the ball and then kick the ball out to 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 open shots. And you know, one thing I think Carolina's defense has done a lot better job of the in these three games is they're not getting beat back door like they were basically the whole week in Portland and then those in those the, the the losses to Indiana and Virginia Tech because in those games Carolina looked as if they have never guarded on the perimeter it wasn't pretty um but I think they've done a much better job defending two passes away from the ball guarding their ball and the man and and Carolina's got to be the best that they've done this season at, at 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 just guarding the ball when it's on the when it's on the perimeter because they're going want to attack and I think the biggest thing is you gotta you gotta defend and not foul because these guards are gonna get downhill and you know when Carolina's defended the paint they won the painted area on Saturday guess what happens they usually win the games when you go back and you look at when this defense was just getting obliterated. You know, the first thing everyone wants to point out is, well, you couldn't guard the three-point line. And a lot of that was true, but the biggest reason why was because teams were getting to the rim at will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I talk about you don't always have to score the ball in the paint, but when the ball, like paint touches, are invaluable. Like like when the ball goes inside, good things happen. And so I feel like on on offense, if Carolina has the right mindset where they're attacking inside with Armando Baycott, 
Love, Davis are looking to get downhill, and, and, and then the, the offense branch out from that way. And then on the flip side, they defend with that same type of mindset. I think Carolina has a chance because, you know, if, if Michigan comes in here and pounds them for 44, 48, 50 paint points, then there's a greater chance or not that Michigan, I don't, maybe not, not wins the game, but they're, they're right there, step for step for you in that under four timeout in the second half. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's very possible considering Michigan has played a lot of really close games so far this season. I would not be shocked at all if this is a close game down the stretch. And you're right. This, these are two teams that I think resemble each other very, very much. They want to play through their big man. He is what leads them to the most success. But when they're at their best... They have guys on the perimeter that are making shots, and Carolina's starting to get that a little bit more as we go throughout the season. You've seen this team start to get in a rhythm, and part of that is because of the ball movement. Carolina has been just, I mean, just unbelievably better than they were to begin the season. I mean, now, uh, the other day, they assisted on 20 of their 32 made baskets. In terms of assist percentage on made baskets, I mean, they got to be inside of the top 200 probably near near the top 250 at this point moving up from i mean the last they, they entered what was it was it two or three games ago they came in outside of the top 350 so i mean it's just it, this carolina team has taken a major step and it's going to be interesting it's almost like to a, to, in some ways, you're going to be basically playing against what you do in practice. You're going to be facing what you see day in and day out. It's going to be, to me, a lot about execution. Can you close out on those shooters? Because we know Carolina is going to double, and it's still one of those things that leaves us scratching our heads. We've said it Plenty of times just talking during games. It's the biggest reason why I have the receding hairline I have today. I mean, if you're going to double, then just make it a true double. They don't do that. It's a lot of hedging and then trying to basically scramble back and contest. And half the time there's just, there's either no scramble back or it's just too little too late. So you want to see them be more aggressive if they're going to do that. I think the thing in this game is, look, can you follow a similar recipe to what you did a year ago against this team? Hunter Dickinson, what was the biggest thing that Carolina did last year against him? They got him in foul trouble. Carolina's been outstanding at getting to the line, at causing fouls from other teams. I mean, teams have been in foul trouble against Carolina the entire season. I mean, how many games has Carolina shot less than 20 free throws? Man, I don't even I, I can't remember the last one because they've just been that aggressive with getting to the rim and drawing fouls. They have to keep that up in this game. And if they can get Hunter Dickinson in foul trouble like they did a year ago, that would be massive for a team that look, th- this is this is a solid rebounding team, but Hunter Dickinson is is clearly their best rebounder if they lose him Carolina that can not only give them the advantage in terms of you know just the overall game flow but 
it could definitely give them an advantage on the glass. Yeah, no, you're you're definitely right about that, and that's going to be a factor in this game. Um, I mentioned Michigan has the 27.9 defensive rebounds, only 8.4 on the offensive glass. Mm -hmm. So this isn't the rebounding team that Carolina saw like in Ohio State over the weekend. Make no mistake about it. Rebounding is going to play a major role in this game for Carolina. The second key I have is Carolina's got to force turnovers because their offense just functions at a different level. And Saturday was the best example of that. This team scored 27 points off of turnovers. They don't win the game without those points off of turnovers. A lot of that, as we were talking about before the break, a direct reflection of the full-court press, which we are hoping to see you know, in the first half not when the game is maybe in the balance deep deep in the second half and you know th- this is something that i want to see carolina start taking more pride in is is becoming look you don't got to be a great defensive team um the, the the three teams that won national titles under roy williams weren't they were good defensive teams but what they thrived at was because of the tempo and the pace that they played at they forced teams into turnovers, and with that, they got out and ran. And, and I want Carolina to start just getting that mindset that we're going to be a team that turns the that, that turns the opponent over, so we can get out and run our fast break and and get open, you know, get you know dunks and layups and and transition threes and all of that. Because another correlation for this team is that when they force turnovers and they've scored off of turnovers. They look like the team that we thought we were going to see in the preseason. They look like the preseason number one team. They look like the team that was picked to win the ACC by such a wide margin. And and so I think that's something where, again, a lot of this is Carolina forming that identity. But I think that if Carolina can force Michigan's guards to commit turnovers and, and get out on the open break, Carolina has a chance. There's going to be a challenge because Michigan only commits 9.3 turnovers per game. That's 360th in the country. So that's the fourth fewest in all of college basketball, which heightens the importance of forcing turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like if Carolina can do that, get a couple of easy buckets in transition, that bodes well to Carolina coming out victorious. Well, yeah, and if we see that full-court press earlier, I think that's that could lend to a few more turnovers. And that's why, again... It can be strategic. You you throw it out there for a play or two. It doesn't have to be, hey, we're going to go to this for an entire four-minute stretch. If you throw it out there for a play or two and can create a turnover, okay, that would be huge. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think... I, I think there's a there is a really good chance that you will you will see Carolina try to get a little more aggressive with that because yeah some of the teams that they've played there's no doubt about it that they've they've faced some teams that have you know that that haven't turned the ball over or that have turned the ball over I should say at a high rate this is a team that takes care of the basketball extremely well. But on the other side of things, one thing that bodes well for you, they don't create a lot of turnovers themselves. So I think that's the thing that you got to be most encouraged by if, if you're Carolina is that, look, you know, we want to create turnovers. And if we do, we're probably going to have a huge advantage in this game because this is a team that has not created a lot of turnovers. They don't get out on the break all that well. 
But I think you're right. You, you've got to be able to to create some. The biggest thing for me in this one is you got to be able to defensively rebound and get out and 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 try to get some pace to this game. Michigan is not a team that likes to play with pace. They're going to want to slow things down. So if you're Carolina, you need to drive the pace of this game like you did in the last in in these last three games when you have been your most successful. And I think that Carolina, you know, has seen that over these last couple of games. I think these guards have seen that over these last couple of games. And it seems like there is a more heightened focus on hey, let's try to push the pace here, especially off of turnovers and defensive rebounds. The last key I have to this game is Carolina's got to defend the three point line. Michigan averages eight point two makes per game. That's 127th in the country on 23 attempts, which is 151st in the country. Their percentage at 35.7 is 114th. And you're probably wondering, why is it so important that you guard the three-point line if their numbers are that or, or as pedestrian as they are? Because those are against games that Carolina is not involved in. And we know... We know the shooting prowess that teams can have from behind the three-point line against Carolina. And that is something that, in their wins, they've done a really good job. Against Georgia Tech in the Citadel, they could have they could have faltered and quit trying to defend the three-point line, mm-hmm. given some of the three-pointers that their opponents made in that game. Because um, both the Citadel and Georgia Tech made tough, contested, guarded threes. Against the Ohio State... It wasn't to the same level, which was why Carolina had a much more easier job staying committed to that. But Michigan has – they're going to put five guys on the court that can take and make three-pointers. So there's got to be – you know, your switching has got to be on point. The the, the way you guard and and defend on ball screens has got to be on point. Your closeouts have to be on point because even though this team doesn't shoot a great volume, like you, they have the ability to be – a really good shooting team. And, you know, the, the the Michigan teams of the past that, that you know, were competing for Big Ten championships and Final Fours and the like, they were among the better three-point shooting teams in the country. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Carolina's got to come in with the right type of mindset in this department because – and the thing about it is this. For a team that doesn't shoot a high volume – I think that just ups the importance on how much greater you got to defend. If we knew Michigan was going to come in here and chunk it up 30 to 35 times, you could live with them making eight or nine of them because when it evens out, that's not a great percentage. If they're only going to take 24 of them, and, but they, they end up making 10 or 11 of them, that's really going to sway the game in a, in, a, in a direction that you don't want it to sway and probably feel like you got to match them jump shot for jump shot. So I think another part of Carolina's defensive identity, which I think is coming into form, is becoming a better three-point defense. That's got to be on point in this game for them to put themselves in position to win. Yeah, and, and look, I, I think they've shown really over these last couple of games that, look, even though you're going to allow uh, a team to shoot, you know, to, to knock down some shots from the outside – and when it matters the most, Carolina has found ways to get the stops that they need to. I think with this, it's really all about limiting the amount of clean opportunities that they have from beyond the arc. You don't want to have those those 
times where you just don't close out on a guy or you don't rotate well enough. We've seen that from Carolina at times this year. You've seen some of those those types of possessions, you know, from Carolina in even each of the last three games. But Carolina, there, this is a team that seems to understand when they make mistakes. We saw it the other day against Ohio State, where they let up the big three to Zed Key that gives Ohio State the two-point lead. Carolina, of course, comes back down and ties it at 77, and then, you know, everything else that ensued afterwards. But Carolina did a good job in the overtime of not allowing those similar type of looks, contesting on most of those threes. And that's the thing. If you're contesting these shots and they're just falling, there's really nothing you can do. But there have been times this year where, like what we saw at, at, at you know when Roy Williams was here, that has a lot of people, you know that, that that left a lot of people angry at times. Carolina just helps a little too much, leaving a guy open. They allow you know too much, uh, too too much in the lane. You know, guys, they allow guys to get to the lane way too easily. There's what I was looking for. Um, they just don't stop the ball. And we saw that earlier this year. A team that just could not stop the ball. It led to those drive and kick looks. And that's why teams were able to keep themselves in the game. Now you're starting to see Carolina do a better job of not a, a, of keeping those guards out of the lanes and forcing worse looks. The thing is, is you just have you, you just can't do what you did against Ohio State a couple of times the other day. You can't leave a guy, a, a big man that can shoot the ball from beyond the arc wide open from three. I think Carolina, you're right. The last Thank few you. games we have seen, especially in the in the Georgia Tech and Citadel games, you saw teams that came out hot from beyond the arc. Carolina made the adjustments at halftime and cut them off from beyond the – and kept them from making the big shots that they needed to in the second half. I think that's got to be the game plan in this game for Carolina, too. Look, if they, if this team is going to be hot from beyond the arc, let it be in that first half. But make the adjustments that you have to in that locker room before the second half so that you can come out and play the way that you have defensively, really even going back, even in some of their losses so far this year. They've defended the three, the three ball very well in the second half. It'll be about finding that consistency in the first half, but at the least, make sure that you take care of it in the second half when it is winning time against this Michigan team. Uh, the Heels enter with a 71.5% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's uh, basketball uh, matchup predictor. I'm going to go first. Um <clears throat> I think Carolina wins. I think what you did in that second half against Ohio State in that comeback, that overtime session, I think it carries over. I don't think Carolina's going to come into this game overinflated. I don't think they're going to be looking forward too much ahead to that Christmas break because I I do think you saw this team really lock in in that second half and play the way a team that has national title aspirations play um and 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 so i think that carries over i think carolina gets to nine and four which eases all of our doubts and concerns as we enter this christmas holiday yeah i think so too i think there's just too much momentum to be carried over from the other day look i don't know if you're gonna get all three of your stars to play as good as they did 
against Ohio State, but I think you you will see at least two of those guys play well again. I think that Armando Baycott matching up against Hunter Dickinson, this was a guy last year coming in. People were interested to see this matchup, wondering how it would go. Armando Baycott dominated that matchup, and I think he might be able to do the same thing again this year. I think Carolina's aggression, getting to the basket, is something that you'll continue to see, and I just love the way Carolina's sharing the basketball right now. I mean, this this looks like a completely different team from what we looks saw. Like a Carolina team. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like what I mean the the night and day from what you saw out in Portland, or day and night, and then even when you even with Virginia Tech. I mean, even when Carolina got in back into the game against Virginia Tech, they weren't moving the basketball this well. It changed in that game against Georgia Tech. And this is what that that's what's so encouraging to me. I, I just think Carolina is in a rhythm right now. I think Michigan, look, they're 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 a good team, but I think especially with it being in Charlotte, a place where look, Carolina fans created an unreal environment in Madison Square Garden up in New York City. Here in Charlotte, it's not that far of a drive for a lot of Tario fans. I think it's gonna be another great environment. And with all of that, I think Carolina gets a win in this one. And I think it's a little more comfortable than what we saw on Saturday, which I think we can all be a little bit thankful for after that thriller. Well, no matter what happens on Saturday or on Wednesday night, we'll have you covered. HeelToughBlog.com. Um, we'll, there'll be a preview posted up for uh, for the game against Michigan. And, of course, there'll be a recap posted the night of as I continue to take you through um, this college basketball season. Football news is still rolling in. More transfers for Carolina that they are that have committed to them via the portal. National signing day or early signing day is on Wednesday. And, of course, Carolina's bowl game just over a week away. Find all that great content and more at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up where we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But most importantly, we want you to hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the pod throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than